It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On a special Saturday episode of Locked On Raptors, we dig into Friday, which was a very, very bad day for your Toronto Raptors. Let's get to it. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Saturday, July the 1st, which means free agency has begun and it means we have a whole lot of crap to dig into that took place on Friday. The Toronto Raptors, a very different team than they uh, hoped and wanted to be, it seems, going into the free agency period. We're going to dig into all of it today. I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube, of course. And if you're looking for a place to be sad amongst friends, to spire a little bit, maybe even to have a little bit of you know optimism woven in, the Lockdown Raptors Discord is the place to go, baby. The link is in the description. Come hang out. It is a great little community we got building around the show. Would love to see you in there. <sighs> Let's get to it. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Create an account. Use the code Locked at NBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Okay. Let's dig into it, shall we? Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably already know that the Toronto Raptors no longer have Fred Van Vliet in their employee. He signed a three-year, $130 million contract with the Houston Rockets, a deal that uh, he simply had to take because that is an insane amount of cake. I believe I saw the number yesterday. It makes him the 13th highest paid player in the NBA Get your bag, Fred. Uh, cannot begrudge him for taking that kind of crazy payout. Credit to Rich Paul, I guess, for making a bit of a bidding war and forcing the Rockets to go to that third year at the max. Uh, but this leaves the Raptors kind of picking up the pieces, and it's not a particularly rosy scene at the moment. Uh, you know, we'll dig into you know why this was bad. <laughs> We're going to dig into the Dennis Schroeder thing. We'll dig into uh, Yaka Pertle sticking around, the thought about Gary Trent Jr. getting an extension. Are there any silver linings to be gleaned from what happened yesterday? Um, you know, having sat on it a little bit, I, uh, I'm kind of really worried about what the on-court basketball product is going to look like next season. And I was worried about that to begin with if, if Fred was gone, just because of the notable lack of guard skills on this Raptors team. But I'm even more skeptical that the Raptors are going to be able to scrape together any sort of coherent offense without Fred Van Vliet, considering who their first replacement for Fred Van Vliet was and looking around and considering the dearth of options elsewhere. Uh, it's not looking awesome. So let's get into it. 
Fred Van Vliet goes to the Rockets. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the, all the reporting going into the free agency window yesterday was that four years, 120 might be enough to get it done for the Raptors with the Rockets, with the presumption that the Rockets were only going to go to those two years at 42, 43 million bucks at the max that Fred could make as a free agent signing elsewhere. Um, you know, that, 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 gave me some optimism that the years and the security were going to be enough for Fred Van Vliet to say, you know what, Houston would be cool, I guess. I can go be the adult in the room there, but the Raptors are a better team. I know what what I'm all about here. I know I'm valued here. Let's go and run it back and let's stick this thing together and see if this can sort of turn into something more fruitful for uh, than it was this past year. Obviously, three years, 130 is a godfather offer that the Raptors could not match. There is no conceivable way with the contracts of Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and eventually Scotty Barnes still to be paid out, there was just no way you could commit $43 million a year to Fred Van Vliet. And so you tip your cap to the Rockets and say, congratulations. Ultimately, this is a misreading by the Raptors front office of the free agent market. And this was the challenge they set themselves up with, right? It was, all right, we got three pending UFAs. We trust in our ability and our track record of keeping our own guys Let's go into the offseason with these three guys. You know, uh, it, it's a tough thing because I don't think the process was like disastrously bad here. I know the Fred deadline trade thing, you know, that that's been sort of relitigated in the last 12 hours since this all came out. But I, I frankly, I, I just, I don't think they should have just shipped him off at the deadline for whatever poo-poo platter the Clippers were offering, which reportedly was Luke Kennard and Brandon Boston Jr. Like, no, it's not a very compelling offer. Neither is Grayson Allen and a future Bucks first of, we don't know what kind of protections, but you have to assume there would be some sort of protection on it because that's what happens when first-round picks get traded at the deadline. I don't think the Raptors were wrong to say, actually, there's more upside for us here if we don't make those trades. Go and bolster the roster by getting Yakko Pertle. And we'll talk about Yak in a sec. I think, you know, th th I think signing him vindicates that trade in some way. But the, 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 the risk that they ran by not trading away for anyone at the deadline was this very thing, that you get into the offseason and it's just really hard to thread the needle of three pending UFAs. It was made even easier... When Gary Trent Jr. decided to opt in, that was a bit of a relief. You get Yak signed, and it's like, okay, great. You avoid, like, the absolute disaster situation. The absolute disaster here is two or three of those guys walk for nothing, and it's just a complete, probably fireable offense by the front office. Fred walking is bad. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. It's really bad. It, it makes it so the team next year is going to make a lot less sense on the floor. It's going to thrust Scotty Barnes into a position that, A, I don't think he's really ready for or has, like, the requisite skill set to really succeed in. And it's going to, I think, force him into a developmental track that I think is just not favorable because he's really good at a lot of stuff. He should not just be a primary point guard. He's got a lot to offer as like a small ball big, as a playmaking four, as a guy working around the rim with his touch and his scoring around there. You're not getting the most out of Scotty Barnes if you're asking him to run a bunch of pick and rolls every game. And we'll get to why I'm concerned about the offense in particular in a little bit here. But with Fred walking, I mean... The Raptors' plan of running it back is dead now, and it was just a gross misreading of their ability to retain their own guys. And look, can you account for the Houston Rockets going nut-nut and saying, all right, here's $130 million for Fred Van Vliet? Maybe not, but also, like, everyone knew they had cap space. Everybody knew they had $61 million to burn this offseason. Like, you could have 
foreseen that this team that doesn't have a point guard has been sort of linked to James Harden, but the sort of validity of those links were obviously uh, very suspect. Like there was at least like when you're sort of drawing up the outcomes, I would really at least hope that they had like Houston circled as potential threat on their whiteboard. Um, But even so they did not take that threat enough seriously. And that, you know, Part of this is just like this luck of the draw. Stuff happens in the NBA. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody's fault. The Rockets did something that I think most people, um, had the Raptors done it, would have been clowning the Raptors for. And so there's like nuance and levels to this, but ultimately it's a misreading of their ability to keep Fred Van Vliet in the door. And now it puts them in a position where, like, I'm not really sure what the next move is, but it does bring up more sort of nuclear options. Trading Pascal Siakam logically now is kind of the next thing to do, but the problem is that Pascal Siakam, and this is like a problem, but also not a problem. Pascal Siakam is indicated all along. He wants to be in Toronto. He's not going to sign an extension necessarily with a team that trades for him, and that is bringing down his trade value. And so can you actually trade Pascal for a meaningful package that actually helps you this summer? Or are you just doing it to like get DeJounte Murray in the door for a year and then figuring it out down the line? Like, I don't love that idea. I would rather just have Pascal on the team than DeJounte Murray or whomever you're you're making a trade for. And so it's um it, like I it's a really tough road now and they're really just kind of hinging all of their hopes on Scotty Barnes and making and I guess Darko Ryakovic making this pretty misshapen and shooting starved and guard play starved roster into something that can passably run offense. I'm pretty skeptical of how that's all going to go go down. Um, there's more bad stuff for us to dig into. So we will continue to dig into the bad stuff. I want to get to the on-court fallout of not having Fred Van Vliet and the sort of exacerbating of the problem that is bringing in Dennis Schroeder, who I think as like a stopgap option is fine, but on this team is not an ideal fit. And it's going to be pretty tricky to sort of maximize this roster, maximize Scotty Barnes with the current setup they have. There's got to be another move, you would think. Um, but we'll get into all of that and what comes next here and sort of the encore ramifications in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. Look, it's possible your Toronto Raptors next season are not going to be very good. Uh, you know, it's it's a very real case that, that, that you can make. And I uh, frankly think that that's the perfect time to go to basketball games because that means the tickets are cheaper, baby. So Game Time could be your best friend once the Raptors come around and they're a 35-win team. Maybe they'll be better than that. I don't know. But either way, tickets will probably be a little cheaper next year. You can go and get those tickets at Game Time. It is the place that makes buying tickets super easy super uh, seamless and really just a pleasurable experience all the way through. You get flash deals all the way up to the day of the event, so you don't have to plan months in advance if you don't want to. You can just go the day of the game and say, hey, you know what? It's time. Let's go to the game. Let's get some tickets. Let's do it. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee ensures you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you with 110% of the difference. There's no reason not not to use game time with the game time guarantee sitting right there for you. You can get images of your seat again before you buy so you know exactly where you're sitting and you know the sight lines. It's just a great experience through and through. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Game time. Download it today. Last minute's tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we continue on here. Pick up the pieces from a very bad day for your Toronto Raptors. Uh, you know, <laughs> like this offense is going to stink as it currently stands. Uh, it obviously was not very good last year to begin with. It was bottom of the league and half court efficiency basically all year long. And it's going to be worse without Fred Van Vliet, full stop. And I know there are the Fred detractors out there who think addition by subtraction. Guess what? That's not how basketball works. You have to have certain skills on the floor to mesh with other players' skills to amplify everybody and have cohesive basketball. And Fred Van Vliet's skills, pick and roll operation, playmaking, getting into the teeth of the defense, not necessarily finishing there, but like driving and kicking, a big part of his game. Just driving, period, a massive element of Fred Van Vliet's game. He led the team in drives last season, 13.9 a game. That's a lot of drives. Um, his three-point shooting, yes, it was a little bit down last year, but he remains a very good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter off the ball, and his pull-up threat is real. It is a thing that teams worry about because his reputation is that he can burn you with that pull-up three, and that is a massive tool to run pick-and-roll with because how pick-and-roll works, the more optionality you have in a pick-and-roll combination the better it's going to be because it forces the defense to think that much more about all the different outcomes. And the more you make a defense think, the more likely it is you're going to get those windows to get good shots. And I think right now, as it stands, I don't see the pathway to a functional pick-and-roll offense for this team right now because Fred Van Vliet brought a compliment to Jakob Pertl in the pick-and-roll that nobody else on this team can provide as it stands right now. Maybe they go and make some other uh, addition. Maybe they find Kyle Lowry on the scrap heap after he's been stretched and waved by either the Heat or whatever team he's traded to for Damian Lillard, which I guess means it's the Blazers. Um, maybe that's a pathway here. But if that's like the best you're hoping for, that's not ideal. Point guard skills are important. And I know that there's like Marquis Noel ho hype and hope. Uh, a rookie undrafted point guard is not your solution in 2023-24. This is not how these things work. Um, I'm thinking right now about the Scotty run offense. And like, I, I again, I think there's a pathway to Scotty Barnes being a good on-ball creator. And I think having him do it like 15 minutes a game as like a backup option to Fred Van Vliet would have been a perfect way to have that be a part of his game without being all of his game. Because again, he affects the game in a lot of really interesting ways when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, when he is working from the post, when he's working from the wings in isolation, all this stuff. He's just not a pick and roll operator right now. And I'm thinking right now about the fit now with Jakob Pertl. 
And it's not as good with the team. Like, I'm glad they kept him. That's a silver lining to this yesterday that we'll talk about in the last segment as we try to go on a positive note. Um, but, like, the fit is not as good if you don't have Fred Van Vliet to operate pick and roll with Jakob Pertl because Scotty Barnes does not bring the optionality that Fred Van Vliet does in terms of the skills he has on the table. Is Scotty Barnes a more talented player overall and going to be a better player down the line than Fred Van Vliet? Probably, but the skills matter, and the way you make defenses think and the way you can bend defenses matter, and I'm just imagining now, you know, run-of-the-mill possession, Scotty Barnes calls Yak up to screen. Yak's rolling. We know this. This is what Yak does. He's not popping out for three. Maybe the odd time he'll pop to the elbow and you can sort of initiate a dribble handoff out of that pick-and-roll action, but most of the time he's going to be rolling into the middle of the defense. Scotty Barnes doesn't have a three-point shot to speak of right now, doesn't really have a pull-up game. Maybe there's a mid-range threat there. We saw it in his rookie season. It kind of dropped off last year, um, but he doesn't have a pull-up three to keep defenses honest and to force defenses to go over in pick and roll. They're going to go under on him. They're going to give him all sorts of space. And look, we've seen Scotty carve up space before, but that was as a center, right? They used him in early January as the nominal five in the Raptors offense, and it was great because he was the screener. He goes to the middle of the floor, catches on the short roll, catches on the dive, and he is operating from the middle of the floor and can survey and do great things from there with lots of space because he is the center of the offense. With Jakob Pertl in the middle, that's going to gum up the works. That's going to cramp the spacing. And Scotty Barnes' best recourse in pick and roll is going to be, all right, well, I'm really strong and can get to the rim whenever I want because I have these big, long, powerful strides. Even if I'm not blowing by guys, I can still sort of, you know, I, I believe it's uh, Samson Folk has called him like the thunder frog or something like that, the power frog, whatever it is. Those big, bounding pogo stick legs of his can get him to the rim, but you're going to have Jakob Pertl occupying that space as well. So it's going to be more difficult for Scotty Barnes to make things happen. Sure, you'll get some dump offs and things like that but that's going to be like the main way in which scotty barnes attacks and pick and roll you get a mobile big guarding yakka purtle guess what they're just going to switch that now instead of having to think about that because you're worried about fred van vliet a smaller guy blowing by a big man scotty barnes has not proven that he's going to go blow by big men necessarily again he's more of a power game he's more of a i'm just going to drive into you and just assume i'm stronger than you type of guy he's not going to go and burn big men on the switch that's just not how it's going to work and with him and yak being similarly sized You'll be able to get away probably with that 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 switch a little bit more often if you're a defense. Um, you know, it's just it's going to be hard to carve out offense on this team. And frankly, like we're talking about point Scotty for being real, Pascal Siakam should be the sort of nominal point guard of this team as it stands right now. He brings way more in terms of optionality. He's got a mid-range pull-up game. Um, he has a bit more of sort of like a, a, I think, more of a finesse game when it comes to operating from the middle of the floor. Uh, he's very good at it when he kind of probes. I mean, we saw at the start of last season, that was Pascal Siakam playing the best ball of his life was, all right, I'm going to like run most of the possessions and kind of meander and probe and, and, and figure things out. And a lot of it worked. But that can't be their only option. And really, right now, Point Scotty and Point Pascal are kind of their only options. Dennis Schroeder, let's talk about him. 
Two years, 26 mil. They used the full mid-level on him. I think that's a little bit rich, honestly. I said after the Fred news came down in the Locked On Raptors Discord that I thought uh, like the biannual exception of like four and a half, five million for Dennis Schroeder would have made sense. They go and use the full mid-level on him. Look, he was good last year for the Lakers. He started a bunch of games for them. He played 30 minutes a game for the Lakers and was quite good for them down the stretch and in the playoffs. You know, he was a better option than D'Angelo Russell, for example. It's not exactly a high bar to clear. Um, but... Yeah, and he will bring, I think, like some nice sort of tenacity at the point of attack defensively. He'll improve their backcourt defense. But I'm not concerned about the defense with this team, frankly. I'm concerned about the offense. And I think the offense stands a chance of being wretched. And I don't think Dennis Schroeder is like an excellent fit for what the Raptors need with Fred Van Vliet walking out the door. He's a career 33.7% three-point shooter on pretty low volume. Um, you know, you got to replace nine threes a game from Fred Van Vliet buckle up Grady Dick like you're going to be asked to fire away Gary Trent Jr. OG Ananobi you better be ready to take 10 threes a game uh like they're going to have to shift those threes around Fred proved that he could be pretty efficient on very high volume that's not an easy thing to do and Dennis Schroeder doesn't do that Dennis Schroeder also does one thing that Fred didn't do super well which is like he's just a better driver he's a better kind of blow-by guy he's better at getting into the teeth of the defense and getting to the paint but he's also not a terribly good finisher at the rim either. Um, just pulling up his shooting metrics uh, from last season, uh, you know, he shot 55% inside three feet last year. That's not good. He's had better seasons. He's, you know, had as high as 64, but for the most part, his career average, 56.6. That's not very good as far as finishing at the rim. Um, so you're not really getting a significant upgrade there. I think Fred was actually better from the rim last year than Dennis Schroeder was. And so that's a concern. He doesn't shoot threes, like I said, and I just feel like, you can't start them. You're not going to run like a Schroeder, Ananobi, Barnes, Siakam, Pirtle lineup. You have one real credible knockdown shooter in that group. You're going to have to start with Scotty or Pascal as your nominal point with Gary Trent Jr., OG, and then one of Scotty or, or, or Pascal on the wing, and then Pirtle. Like, that's going to be the starting five as it stands right now. Uh, and that also just doesn't have a ton of space. I believe it was our pal Vivek Jacob who pointed out that lineup last year in a small sample had like a 92 offensive rating. It's just not good. That's really be the worst offense in the league by a mile. I'm really concerned about how they're going to milk offense out of this. And look, I think Darko Ryakovich is going to bring good ideas for sure. I think it's going to be more imaginative than what we saw with Nick Nurse last year. And I believe, as I said yesterday on the show, I kind of believe in the power of basketball imagination and kind of thinking about how the pieces fit with one another. But to run a functional 0.5 offense, to run a flowing offense, you have to have everything flow from an initial advantage being created. And there's just not a pathway to those advantages being created right now on a consistent basis. It'll happen sometimes, for sure. Scotty will have his moments. I'm sure that, you know, the more he gets seasoned in that spot, there will be more success. But between the lack of shooting and his handle still being a little bit loose, like, it's just, it's not credible NBA-level pick-and-roll operation. And they're going to have to get really creative with how they make this offense work, especially when you factor in the loss of shooting that Fred also, you know, represents. It's, uh, it's tough stuff, man. <laughs> it's... You know, all those who are just like rooting for Fred to be gone, I, I think you're kind of being for like a pretty rude awakening right now. And, um, you know, again, I think this kind of brings up the, the Pascal thing again. 
And maybe that is just the most logical move now. You lose Fred, the run it back plan is dead. You don't really get a great stopgap option. There's still time for them to make a trade for a DeLon Wright or a Tyus Jones or something like that. Um, but there's not exactly a ton of options out there. Monte Morris already headed to the Pistons in a move that made me shed a tear. Um, it's, uh, yeah, for me, look, we'll get into the silver linings. I think long term, the Raptors will probably be okay here. But 2023-24 figures to be a year of pain and a year of some pretty heavy decisions for the team because of the fallout of Fred Van Vliet walking. We'll come back on the other side, get into some of those silver linings that might still be there, some of the ways in which you can kind of envision this sort of thing rising from the ashes like a phoenix, all of that. We'll do that in a second. We'll try to go out on an it's fine-ish note to you know keep the show on brand. Uh, before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who of course are the best place to go play daily fantasy sports. And look, next year you you're gonna want to like fire up Prize Picks when the Raptors are playing. See what the projection is for threes attempted by OG Ananobi or Gary Trent Jr. And just go more. They're gonna go more every single time. They're gonna have to if the Raptors are gonna be an effective team. Um, and so if you want to get in on the action now get a little practice with your prize picks go do it you got to download the app all you got to do is pick two to six players and whether they will go more or less than their prize picks projection in a given stat on that given night and if you win all of them you can up to 25 times your money on any entry that is an incredible way to play daily fantasy sports baby you can do it for any sport of course under the sun all the leagues the wnba is going on right now uh you've got of course major league baseball kicking around too but also you can go to the overseas disc golf cricket it's all in there for you Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will match that $100 for you. That is a great deal. Go do it. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's uh, round it out here. Silver linings, huh? Are there any to the Fred Van Vliet departure uh, leaving the Raptors, picking up the pieces at the point guard position. Someone in the Lockdown Raptors Discord noted that this feels like their point guard solution right now is akin to the Aaron Baines-Alex Lenz solution at center in Tampa, and I don't think that's entirely off base. Point guards are important. Uh, having table setters are important. Ask the Houston Rockets, who are about to have organization brought to their team for the first time in years, how much they value point guard play. Uh, point guard play is important. They don't have it right now. Dennis Schroeder is a fine backup. Uh, you're not starting him. You can't. Um, 
But silver linings. Look, you keep Jakob Pertl, which I think on the whole is a good thing. He's a good basketball player on a reasonable contract. That is perfectly fine. Four years, 80. I believe there's a player option in the last season. I know we get weird about the Raptors with player options. I frankly don't mind that player option at the end. Um, It's not like it's a crazy amount of money. And if he opts out, then you're probably like, okay, you know, the the, the Scotty Barnes' new deal is on the books. We're going to have more money on the books. Like, maybe this is actually fine if he opts out. Um, You get him for three years at minimum. I think that's good. Uh, He's a good player. And, And while I think his fit is certainly less ideal without Fred Van Vliet on the roster... He does offer a little bit of insulation defensively to, you know, the whole team, right? Like, he's going to help clean up messes at the back end. And he gives you a bit of a spine, right? He's going to be rock solid steady. He's the anchor of your defense. He will be there to chip in with his floaters and his roll game and his playmaking from the elbow and the middle of the floor as a short roll guy. All that stuff will be nice. Will his impact be dampened by the lack of Fred Van Vliet? Probably. Um, But I still think he's going to be an effective player. And again, the defense, the anchoring he's going to do there. If this team is going to do anything this coming season, if they're going to keep this roster together, it's going to be because they excel on defense and Jakob Pertl gives them a shot to do that. So, you know, you look at the transaction itself, you, the first round pick two seconds and Ken Birch for Jakob Pertl. I think now it can be declared that in, you know, in just in terms of what that trade is, regardless of all the other extenuating circumstances with the team, that trade is a win for the Raptors. They get Jakob Pertl for the next three years at minimum. That is worth whatever the 16th pick in next year's draft or whatever it's going to be. Maybe it's worse than that now. Maybe it's the 11th pick or, you know, whatever. But, you know, the 2024 draft not figured to be very good. And I think Jakob Pertl addresses a hole that was on this roster for many, many years. I think it's a, a perfectly acceptable bit of asset management for the Raptors now that they've kept him. Had they lost him? Yeah, that's a big, big mess. Um, but they keep him, and I think that's a good thing. You can move him down the line, all that stuff. Having the good player on the team is a good thing. The other side of this, too, is like maybe this incentivizes the Raptors to extend Pascal because of the muted trade value and all of that. Maybe this just gets done, and that's like one more question out of the way. Uh, Maybe they are further like emboldened to just like push for it and put it all on the table for Pascal um, just because they don't want to have him as a pending UFA potentially next summer as well. Um, you already got OG potentially with that. We'll see with the OG with the Gary Trent Jr. extension. You know, it sounds like that might get done. And so maybe he's not a pending UFA, but um, you know, maybe this incentivizes the Pascal extension if a trade's not going to come. And maybe the extension makes a trade more feasible and likely because he's got more security uh, and, and, you know, you know, cost certainty and all that stuff. And he's locked in. So, um, you know, I think this probably makes the extension for Pascal a little more likely, but, but maybe it's the same. I thought it was likely all along anyway. Um, it does, like, if, the, if there is, like, a very tangible, like, okay, this is actually something you can work with, it does clear the books a little bit for the Raptors going forward, right? Having Fred on the books for four years, which it seems like is what, what, it, what it would have taken to get him to come back to Toronto if that was on the table, um, that would have made the, the cap maneuvering down the line very difficult. Even with the cap rising, uh, it would have been a, a lot of dudes to figure out and, and sort of fit into your cap. And this does clear the books a little bit down the line. I think the pain of the Van Vliet loss is going to most be felt 
in 2023-24, which, you know, that's a bummer. I, I, I would like to see them try to maximize this year. You still have Pascal Siakam. Scotty Barnes is going to take some sort of leap, you would assume, the degree to which we're not sure, but like the responsibility is going to be leveled up, the opportunity is going to be leveled up. There's going to be something there for, for Scotty. It would be nice if they could optimize this 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 season, but seems like that might be uh, a little bit of a far-fetched ambition at this point. But down the line, two, three, four years, your books are clearer. The OG and Pascal questions are a little bit easier to answer if you want to keep those guys. And look, there was a time at this season where... I think I pretty much declared like the only three dudes who should be certain are part of this core going forward are OG, Scotty, and Pascal. And so the the ability to keep those three guys still very much on the table. Um, so yeah, the, like the long-term book stuff, that is a bit of a load off the mind because four years of Fred, it would have gotten pretty dicey down the line and maybe you're trading him for something of lesser value or whatever. I still think it would have been a movable contract, but it doesn't matter now. Uh, so... The other stuff too, I mean, I think there are some fun things that you can sort of look and squint at with this team and say, ooh, that's like a fun lineup combination. That's a core lineup they can go to. And I do think there are some like that. Look, do I think the Scotty, Trent, OG, Pascal, Pirtle lineup is going to be excellent uh, offensively? No, I, I think it's going to really struggle. There's not a ton of space. Barring Pascal kind of regaining his 2018 through 2020 form from three, uh, you know, th- that's going to be a bit of a tough road to hoe. But I, I do still think it's going to be fun to watch Scotty Barnes kind of try a little bit more out. It's going to be fun to watch Pascal kind of have carte blanche to go and run the offense and be kind of heliocentric at times. He was excellent doing that last year. Like it was the best we've ever seen Pascal play basketball was when he was operating in that role last year. And so there is some potential for fun there. And there are a couple of lineup combinations that I think are pretty enticing as well. You know, Grady Dick, I mean, that's another thing to get excited about here. Grady Dick is going to play. He's going to have to play. He's going to get thrown to the fire and be tested right away. Um, But I'm imagining, like, some pretty interesting sort of shooting-heavy lineups. And one that really comes to mind is you you roll Pascal as your sort of lead ball handler point guard nominally. Uh, Then on the wings, you kind of sprinkle OG, Trent, and Grady Dick. And then Scotty Barnes operating as your small ball five, where he gets to do the thing, where he operates from the middle of the floor and does that whole thing. That's pretty exciting to me. Like, that's a fun lineup I'd like to see get a lot of run. Um, you know, there's also the version of that lineup where it's Scotty, and then maybe you throw in Jakob Pertl as your center or whatever. Um, I think there's some bench lineups where, like, Schroeder and Coloco with Trent and Dick and maybe Precious Achua or something kind of sprinkled in maybe that that's like a pretty reasonable and workable second unit like there are some fun combinations of players here and some guys who are going to be asked to do a whole lot and and kind of flex their muscles and see what the upper limits of their abilities are Um, it's not to say it's going to go well but like it'll be interesting and, and you know there is something to be said for interesting and sort of entertaining and kind of weird when you're watching an 82 game NBA season like that. That's the stuff that kind of brings life to the six month slog. That is the season. Um, You know, I I think there are some fun lineup combos to kind of get excited about. And, you know, again, there's got to be another move here. You would think like they they can't go into this season with their only planet point guard being mostly Scotty and Pascal. And then Dennis Schroeder's our backup. Like this is not tenable. You can't if, and I also think it's just like, it's not, a conducive environment for development for Scotty Barnes or your other young guys to have such a weirdly shapen roster like that. That's not 
putting Scotty in the best position to succeed. Again, I have a lot of time for Darko Ryakovich and the way he thinks about basketball, and I'm going to go in with an open mind, and maybe there's some really exciting stuff they can do with these sort of jumbo lineups where everyone's enormous and you know some guys can shoot and all of this, but um, I just I think with the way you typically see normal functional NBA offense run, the ingredients are not quite there for the Raptors right now. Um, and I guess like if we're going to go to like the fullest extent of its fineness and looking for silver linings. Um, look, I think expectations are going to be much lower going into this season, and usually low expectations are a precursor to having a little bit of fun. Um, expectation is the thief of joy. It's why this past season was kind of a bummer, is because everyone got very excited by the 48-win season the year prior, which is worth noting, like, the back half of that year was done with Fred Van Vliet not playing a ton and being pretty hurt. I still think like that's a bit of fool's goal to think, oh, well, you don't need Fred, like not necessary. Like, no, you still need those skills. They got a little bit lucky and were kind of charmed and played some bizarro kind of catch the league off guard style of play in that back part of the season. So, you know, you still need Fred. He's still important. Like having those skills is valuable. Um, but I think coming out of that season, everyone was so hyped up, ready for the the leap that was coming, and it didn't come, and it made it feel so much worse than a 41-41 and 41 season really is in actuality. Uh, I feel like expectations going into this coming year are going to be quite low, and again, that is the recipe for having a pretty good time as, uh, you know, overshooting expectations. is a thing this franchise has done quite a bit in the past, so maybe that's a thing to squint and feel okay about. Also, like, the Eastern Conference feels like it's going to be kind of bad next year, maybe? Like, I guess the Cavs are getting better with Max Struess. That's good for them. But, like, the Celtics, I don't think they really got better with the KP deal. That was more of, like, a deal for the sake of a deal, honestly, to me. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a choice. I mean, the Bucks look like they're going to retain their guys, so that's good for them. Um, although I guess we haven't heard about what's happening with Brooke Lopez yet. Maybe we have, and I've missed it because there's too much stuff. Either way. I think uh, it's, you know, th th there's a world in which the Eastern Conference is looking like, oh, and there's like three teams here that are actually serious next year. And even then, like the Sixers, what the hell's going to happen with the Sixers with James Harden? Maybe they go trade for Damian Lillard and it's all fine. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, maybe it could. I, who's to say? It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, Going into the next season, I think low expectations will be the right course, and, and, and like I, I'm open to there being uh, an upside to it. But the uh, the run it back plan is dead. There is a misreading of what Fred VanVleet's market was going to be ultimately, and that is bad, and that is a massive mistake by the front office. Like, am I the kind of person who's going to come on here and say fire the front office for this for this whole thing going down? No, I'm typically not like that. I think patience is good. I think letting guys in front offices, you know rectify their mistakes is a perfectly fine thing. I, I don't have a problem with it. Their track record over 10 years suggests far more success than failure. I'll roll with that. Bad things happen. You get on cold streaks, all of that. But um, they got some work to do now to kind of win back the hearts and minds because this is just, uh, it's not, they, they, they set themselves up with a very difficult off season where they had to thread the needle. Otherwise it was going to look bad. And here we are. It looks bad. We'll come back on uh, Monday or Tuesday. I guess Monday's a holiday technically, so I might take that day. But uh, Tuesday we'll be back to kind of dig into a little bit more. Maybe we got more news as far as uh, maybe Kyle Lowry has been stretched and waived as signed as the Raptors' backup point guard or starter for this season, and everyone's feeling okay. I don't know. Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, right now 
I, I was feeling all right last night about like, oh, yeah, you can replace Fred with Schroeder. It's like 70% of Fred, but the skill sets just don't over don't align at all. And I think that's a problem. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Tuesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Until then, bye-bye. Thanks for hanging. Go support the show by subscribing, following, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Join us in the Discord. You're the best. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.